Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Welcome to so many white guys from WYC Studios. I'm your hostess with, okay, I want to say the mostest, but honestly, I'm, you know, barely half full. All right, people. I'm Phoebe Robinson. Joni Mitch, what's the story? Morning Glory. You're the host with some. Yeah, I'm the host with some. That's con- that's spilling out along the way to almost empty. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what's going on with you, Joan. What's what's happening? Um, I went to the Westminster Dog Show. I saw that on Instagram. Uh, you know, you see it on TV, but you don't actually realize that you can attend that. No. And what is it like? Is it just like a lot of white people in cardigans and, you know, pennies in their loafers? Like, what's the scene? It was divided between, like, ecstatic older white people. Yes. And then ecstatic younger white people. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's a genuine love. Like, I, you love sports. Yes. I don't like sports. And <laughs> Westminster was, like what made me understand what people get out of sports. Okay. But you do understand, and this is no shade to any of the dogs, but I will say a little Shih Tzu is not the same as LeBron James dunking on, you know, someone who's six foot 11. Um, well, you didn't see Bean, the <laughs> Sussex Spaniel. The Sussex's cheerful and affectionate nature is demonstrated by his almost constant wagging tail. Excuse me, I don't know. Can you please inform us about Bean? Bean is the number one Sussex this year, and he will be a crowd favorite, I'm sure. Oh, my God. Bean was this, like, teeny tiny dog who was really long and low to the ground, and he looked like a caterpillar, and he was the crowd favorite, and people at MSG started chanting for Bean. (laughs) The crowds don't steal out their favorites. He's the LeBron James. Okay. Of, okay. Of the Westminster okay. Did Bean go to Miami and then get booed? And there's video footage of people burning his, you know, dog treats that he left behind because he wanted to go and win a few championships with Dwayne Wade and then come back to Cleveland and have everyone be nice to him again. Did Bean go through that? No, but Bean could stand on his hind legs. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And people were like, is that cheating? Because all of the other dogs had to stay perfectly still. But I feel like people gave Bean like extra room to work with because everyone loved him so much. So there was a, a Watergate controversy <laughs> at this dog show. Totally, man. The papers are going to come out. When being one best in his group, I turned to my boyfriend and said, this makes me believe in America again. <laughs> yeah. Phoebe, it was February 13th. There was it was Black History Month, and, you know, being is darker-coded. You know what? I'm hijacking this. This is for Black History Month. Yes. This is for Thurgood Marshall. Yes. This is for all the members 
currently a Destiny's Child and also the ones who were fired. It's for all of them. Are you appropriating the Westminster Dog Show? I am. How do you like it, white people? How do you like it? Huh? This is for the cast of Moesha now, okay? Well, Phoebes. Yes. Let's go to commercial. Yes. <laughs> Hey, potheads. Hey, booze and bays. Welcome back to so many white guys. <laughs> Y'all, today's interview is cute as fuck. Honestly, if you know when you see like, what's a cute thing? Like the Paddington Bear movies. And you're like, how can I get next to Hugh Grant and have him talk to me while I'm wearing a raincoat? Th- this interview is that fucking cute. The point is, today... I am chatting with someone who's on the come up, y'all. Okay? She all over our TV screens. All right? She's all over, you know, freaking profiles done about her wearing fabulous designer clothes. Some that she owns, some that she probably is wearing alone and then returning because you know what? She's a smart fiscal bitch. Okay? I'm talking about Miss Yvonne Orgy. Meow, 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 meow. For the past two years, Yvonne Orji has been one of the stars of the hit HBO series, Insecure. It's phenomenal. Y'all, she's not just an actress, okay? She's also killing it in the stand-up game because last year she spent a little bit of time, just a skosh, opening for, I don't know, a legendary comedian by the name of Chris freaking Rock. All right, so she's got acting on lock. Boom. She's got stand-up on lock. Ba-boom. Guess what else she got on lock? Them degrees, y'all. That's right. I said degrees. Not 98 degrees like the band. Just two, okay? Because she has two freaking degrees in public health. She's also developing her own television series for her to star in. Executive produced by Oprah Winfrey and David Oyelowo. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, David, that was so fucking rude. <laughs> anyway, besides all the stuff she's doing, killing in the entertainment industry, she's also an advocate for POCs. She has amazing hair and she's a woman of faith. So close your legs and open your prayer books, y'all. And let's get to this episode. Ow. Miss Yvonne Orgy. Yay. Hi, guys. You have been in it for a minute, and it's been a crazy, amazing two-year, like, skyrocket mm-hmm. ride. Before I get to that, actually, you went to college. With your brother! With brother, George Washington <laughs> University. Yeah. He was a senior. You were a freshman? Right. Was- yeah, Phil. Yeah. I made the connection when you were working on a show. Yeah. And you were like, this is my brother. And I was like, you look so familiar. He was like, yeah, my name is Phil. I was like... Phil? <laughs> Phil Robinson? And I was like, you were the GW? He was like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. Like, And that, that was the day I made the connection. Yeah, so it's really cool to like go way back a little bit to now like be in the same room with you and like, you know, 
I think because you are so naturally funny, people are probably like, you well, you like walked out the womb. I, I, uh, I sauteed out. Yeah. I did a Naomi Campbell walk out of the, the runways of my yeah. mother's womb. Yeah, but, you know, you didn't just like wake up and instantly know that comedy was your calling. No. You went to George Washington and studied organic science, chemistry? I studied sociology undergrad, double bindered in bio and public health because overachiever. And then I got my master's in public health because immigrant. You obviously have a level of depth. So what for you made you make that switch? Because that is quite a switch. Yeah, I, I say Jesus. That was the only thing that could have ever made me Bold enough to stand up to my immigrant African parents and to be like, hey, guys, so I'm going to crush your immigrant dreams, uh, dismantle your soul, and possibly (laughs) not be able to give you any Social Security insurance. Uh, But I want to make people laugh for a living. It only had to be, like, the voice of God to tell me, like, hey— BT dubs, I have other plans for you. Um, And that's exactly what happened. I entered a pageant in 2006. And I wasn't even, like, a pageant girl, but I'm just, like, I was a tomboy. Like, pageant? I don't know nothing about pageants. I wear sweatpants, you know, (laughs) like, comfortably. Yeah. And I remember, like, going to Macy's and opening up my first credit card so I could get a Macy's account oh and buy God, a dress. Oh, my God, that's yeah. so cute. Um, because I was like, how do I, how does one do this? And then uh, two weeks before the pageant, they called and said, well, what's your talent? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I just bought a dress. I thought that was enough. Isn't there, like, a final question or something? <laughs> and so I did the only logical thing I needed to do, which was to, like, get down on my knees and pray. And I was like, hey, God, I need a lifeline here. Like, I already, I legitimately to God alone for a dress. Help. And all I heard back from Holy Spirit was, do comedy. And so I was like, God, I don't, like, I was bullied as a kid, so the fear of rejection was still very real. Yeah. The thought of getting up on stage and doing something where the first thing that could happen if you're not funny is get rejected. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, God, you got the wrong chick. Like, nah, I'm still healing. And he was like, great, uh, what else do you have? I said, you know I ain't got nothing else. He's like, okay, (laughs) well, either you're going to trust me or you're not. This is legitimately the conversation I had with Jesus. And so I was like, all right, man, God, like, you know what? If it fails, it's your fault. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's also kind of like, cool to put it on God like right. put it on God like if it fails I blame you that's the takeaway if you listen to this episode put it on God <laughs> hashtag put it on God I also feel like that's like a sauce like and if you like go to get some chicken like yeah. can I get the put it on God seasoning that's, you're not gonna be able to handle it you it's know, gonna be too hot it's gonna be too hot you gotta put it on God <laughs> why why is this happening God is somewhere like don't put it on me guys I don't know what she's talking about so anyway I was just like hey I'll Take the next two weeks to figure out what's funny being uh, Nigerian in America, having this dual lens, if you will, and had a five-minute set. But I was so nervous. I did not leave room for laughter. I wrote my set like a script and Mm -hmm. memorized it Mm -hmm. because to this day, my biggest fear is like forgetting what comes next, forgetting my line. And then, of course, at the end of it, People came up to me and like, oh, my God, you're so funny. Do you do weddings and, like, baby showers? I was like, yep, and bar mitzvahs. I do it all. Like, I host everything. And I ended up starting to host, um, like, literally anything with a mic. I did host a baby shower, a bridal shower. 
I hosted everything. That's <laughs> exciting. But that's that's what you gotta do. Like you either you start hosting random like gigs like that. In the beginning, it's like I feel like that's where you earn your chops. You yeah. know what I mean? So that you can be at the point that you are now where you're, you know, one of the openers for Chris Rock, which is I feel like every stand up comedian's dream. So that's Really amazing. And I heard in an interview, it was his girlfriend yeah. turned him on to you. Yeah, it was Megalyn, also a Nigerian. She came and saw me perform. And uh, and on my IG was like, at Chris Rock, I think you should have at Yvonne Orji on the Total Blackout Tour. And I was like, uh, that's so yeah, cool. I, I don't think that's how this works. Cut to, we happened to be in Miami at the same time, a couple of weeks later, and she's like, oh, my God, come have lunch or dinner with Chris and I. And I was like, guys, I'm leaving this conference. I'm going to yeah, have, like, I was so there for cool. conference. I was like, I'm, I'm going to have dinner with Chris Rock. Like, who does that? So, you know, and then, of course, on the Uber right there, I'm like, oh, what do I, what do I, what do I say to, to, to Chris? Do I, do I start being funny? No, don't be funny. Don't be funny. Just be yourself. And it was just, like, the most stressful Uber ride. And I was like, you know what? Just be yourself. He knows he's Chris Rock. He knows he's dope. So just... Be chill. And then, like, three weeks after that dinner, mm-hmm. my agents call or my reps call and they're like, Chris Walk wants you to open up for him in Atlanta. And I was like, what the what? That's so cool. It was so it was so crazy yeah. and so amazing that he would trust me with that. And then, like, a couple, like two months after that, I get the dates for the Dolby Theater mm-hmm. in L.A., Madison Square Garden, and Barclays in New York. That's so cool. It's <laughs> like this is crazy. So what, so what was it like being on a stage like that? Because that is really, you know, that is... Super Bowl of stand-up comedy for sure. It's like so. What what is going through your mind in in those moments leading up to walking out on stage? It was um, it was a moment mm-hmm. because it's like I didn't even know to dream for this moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's some dreams that I'm like, oh, this is surely a dream, and I want to accomplish that. This is this was like a bonus, right? This was like you believe in me, you trusted me, you you like. You trusted me with your stage. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have trusted... You didn't have to trust me. You could trust anybody. And, like... Yeah. And I don't even know if he'd seen any comedy of mine. Like, I know he'd watched Insecure, but, like, every actor that says they're a comic is not, like, like a true stand-up. Yeah. But he was just like, okay, like, it's, if Meg says so. Yeah. And then to do Barclays the last night of the sh- uh, tour on 2017 with 16,000 people there and him saying... We're going to do a lot of more. We're, we're going to do a lot more dope stuff. He's like, we're colleagues now. Aww. I was like, Chris Rock just call me a colleague. I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, we here. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> yeah. so cool. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm so humble because I'm like, colleague, you're 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 an idol. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, like comedy still scared me. Like, up until that point. Yeah. And even though, like, I've been doing this for 11, 12 years now. Yeah. You know, that's still like. I thought I was just doing it because of grace and the grace was covering me. But like now I do it because like I know I'm purpose for it. Yeah. And that's a different feeling. Yeah. And so I want to go back because you've brought up God. Yes. A a bit, which I think is fantastic. And I think what you do with your platform, just the way you talk about it in general, is I think you're someone that millennials can also look to and be like, oh, this is how I can be, Mm -hmm. you know about God or be about faith. And so we're in this kind of like nasty world of comedy, but it could sometimes be like a little low down. How do you deal with the ignorance and the trifliness that might test you sometimes and still be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to block that out. Cause mm-hmm. it, it, that has to be hard. 
Well, for me, like consistency has always been my my consistency and authenticity. Like mm-hmm. I started as a clean comic. Mm-hmm. I'm still a clean comic. And even, you know, along the way, like people would be like, yo, I got a good tag for that joke. And it's like if you say this and it's a F bomb or it's a like a like a more dirty mm-hmm. twist to something, I'm like, ah, that is funny. Yeah. I just can't say it. It's not my brand. And it's so funny because Roy Wood Jr., uh, he, I have a joke about cursing mm-hmm. in my set, and but I don't curse. And so he said, do you know the genius that is you? He's like, you have a whole bit about cursing, and not once do you curse, but not once do I am I thrown off at the fact that you're not cursing. Yeah, what I think is so commendable about you is, you know, you have all the success going on and you're, you know, we all follow you on Instagram and we just see how close you are with your family, which is great. And so, like, what does your family make of this? And also, <laughs> because this is, like, a huge change and, like, you know, this isn't stuff that happens to everybody. So, like, what what do they, they make about it? And, like, what was your, your household like growing up as a kid? Oh, man. Uh, we had a very immigrant Mm -hmm. upbringing, I would say. You moved here when? When, in 1989 to, um, to, I was like, to University of Maryland. No, we did not. (laughs) He moved to George Washington University. (laughs) 1989 (laughs) to the campus of the George Washington. (laughs) No, we moved to Maryland. My mother was a nurse at Howard University. I I was thinking two thoughts at the same time. And um, I was just on the cusp of turning six. You know, my dad lived in Nigeria and would visit America. So he had this, like, I want to go back and forth mm-hmm. thing because I want to preserve your culture. And so... That's awesome. That's it, really cool that he did that. I mean, growing up, you, like, you think it's, like, super cool, but then you're like, oh, man, like, you watch your mom, like, work a lot. And you're like, yeah. oh, man, that's hard. That's true. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that's <laughs> tough, like, yeah. I definitely appreciate it because now we do go home every year and mm-hmm. I have this, like, culture that's not, like, foreign to me. And that like, oh, yeah, like... My parents back way back when were mm-hmm. from this place, but now I'm like, oh no, no, I'm Nigerian, and like I know like the language, I love the foods, I do this, I do that, um, and that's because he made that choice. But at the same time, I'm like, oh man, I wonder what would have been different, also like with culturally and also like with us being here in America as well. But like my mom was very much like, don't answer the phone when I'm gone, don't open <laughs> the door for anybody. Like it was just like we couldn't call anybody by their first name. I remember I used to babysit and. I was like, I was like, yeah, um, I'm going over to Kelly's house. Who is Kelly? Um, Joshua's mom. So she's now Kelly to you. A grown woman is Kelly. I'm like, Miss uh, <laughs> Kelly? Like, I was like, Auntie Kelly? Like, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. What do you want me to say? But it was like things like that that like were part of our upbringing. My mm-hmm. mom, like washing dishes was a big deal mm-hmm. because we didn't use our dishwasher because it was only a drying rack. You had a dishwasher? We had it, but I it was wish. only for show. It was for show, Phoebe. Like we didn't like we're immigrants. We can't just use water really nilly. I know, but I didn't even have a dishwasher. I was so jealous. We got it later, but I'm so jealous. Really, that's what you're, I was the dishwasher in this story, Phoebe. Is what I'm saying. We had a dishwasher. Her name was Yvonne because my three older brothers were like the youngest will do it, right? Yeah. And then the actual dishwasher was literally a dry rack because if my mom came home and saw who is who is wasting electricity <laughs> using my water, I'm like. For the purpose of washing dishes. Yeah. So you are 
developing your own show for you to yes. star in called First Gen. That's First Gen. executive produced by Oprah and David Oyelowo. Yeah, oh, you better get his name right. Well, people you better be, get his name right. The only reason I'm like such a name person sometimes <laughs> is because people always get get your name wrong. And I'm like, my I have like the most generic sort of Pollyanna name. And then when people are like, all these different actors are coming out. I remember when Kavanjane Wallace was interviewed and someone said, oh, I'm gonna call you like Q. Yeah, or I'm gonna call you Amy, and it's like. Nah. No, learn her name. Yeah. So I just think like, yeah, I think that's a like running joke. Like you can learn Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But oh, yellow. Oh, yellow. Whoa. Yeah. That's done. It. Done and done. D and D. So yes. Uh, so what's that experience been like so far? I mean, we we, we still need to sell it. Mm-hmm. By the grace of God, we will. Um, so it's been it's been crazy because it's like you have this idea and like people are obviously excited about it, mm-hmm. and then it's like. You can only go so far with it, right? And then it's like, who's going to take on this little engine that could? Yeah. Do you want to tell us the, the premise? Just yeah, the for... premise is about a Nigerian-American family, but it focuses on the daughter, Joanna, who drops out of med school to pursue a career in entertainment and the arts, which is very much against the wishes of her very immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. So how she navigates this dual identity, like a lot of us have to, of honor and respect mm-hmm. and gratefulness of the people who sacrificed so much for us to have an American dream but then at the same time like living the American dream like part of the American dream is to take risks and to do things differently and to do things unorthodox and I think I want to show the beauty and the heart and the love of being other but at the same time a little bit of the struggle and the challenge of deciding to do other yeah and so you just talked about your parents having one specific dream for you and you having one for yourself how did you guys sort of like reconcile like this is like what i want but i'm not like disrespecting your dream for me but i want to follow my dream like how how did you guys get like on the same page about that i mean uh insecure happened yeah (laughs) hbo happened hbo (laughs) cut us a check uh no i i what's funny is i had to like there came a point where I had to disassociate what I was doing with my parents' feelings about it. Because mm-hmm. if I kept looking at my parents' feelings about it, I would be depressed. Like, I'd be mm-hmm. like, man, I know I'm hurting them. Man, I know oh, mom had another knee surgery. Oh, like, I can't help. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're when you're on a grind and doing something, you have to be selfish. Like, to a certain degree you know like it's like you care and you want to help but like financially you can't help you know emotionally like your help is not wanted you know like I'm passionate and I remember when I when I thought like okay well maybe I just throw in the maybe I'll just put it on God (laughs) I'll put it on God again and I was like guys God told me to do this and I remember my dad was like God so is it only you who knows God? Like, like, oh, this didn't work at all. This is like this so, backfired. Like, so you don't think we were praying before you were born? I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer this. So I was like, I literally was like, oh well, God, you know what? I'm gonna have to just be okay with the fact that my relationship with my parents is gonna be strained a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna let you fix it. And I think when the first gen trailer came out and like people like saw the the success like the buzz around it my mom was like oh my daughter can create okay mm-hmm. this is good but like it wasn't until like insecure and then like i'm like suddenly tra- like bringing my mom to la for spa days or spa weekends to celebrate her birthday or you know come find her out here for the premiere or like them seeing the like different deadline announcements and her friends calling her like Celine. 
Yvonne is on television. No, I'm watching it with my daughters and like her, you know, like that pride of being able to be like, oh my God, one of one of my children made it. Yeah. And, and, and it's such a visible way. Oh my God. But it's like she's getting a second life. Yeah. You know, like she's ha- she's retired now, but now she's just like, I'm the mother of a celebrity. You know, yeah. like it's just <laughs> it's just really cute to watch her happy yeah in this way which is what was always the goal yeah you know that's amazing and so i love that you're doing uh, you want to have your show be about basically like an immigrant story which i think is great especially because right now politically Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ugliness happening i'm wondering like when you're creating this story are you also thinking like this is a chance that i can reflect like the, the lives of immigrants that people don't recognize or don't even know about. Yeah, because uh, the thing about it, it's like, for me, it's like a love story to my parents because mm-hmm. it's a two-hander, right? When you see immigrant stories told by the kids' perspective, it's always like, eh, I, I want to I wanna see how, like, this is what like life should be, mom mm-hmm. and dad. You brought us to America. Deal with it. But for me, it's a two-hander. Like, you see it through the lens of the mother. It's like mm-hmm. a mother and daughter story. Essentially, you don't know the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. what goes on. Like, I remember when I got into GW, knowing that I could have gone to Howard for free. And because mm. my mom worked there. And GW at the time was the most expensive college. It's great. My brother 60, still 000. has the, the debt. It's nuts. 60000 yeah. a year. And my mom didn't say, are you foolish? Y'all going to Howard. Why do you think I've been walking there all these years? My mom said... Okay, okay, it's, it's where you wanted to go. Well, um, if we have to sell the house or the car, we, we will figure it out. Oh, my like, God. Mother of the freaking <laughs> century. That's incredible. And I was like, no, we're not doing that. I was yeah. like, I need a place to come home and do laundry. Like, yeah. what, are you, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> Don't uh, be that nice so, to me. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. We, I'll just take out these loans. Yeah. I'll, I'll do work study. <laughs> but, like, you know, I graduated with not a lot of debt because my mom worked literally her bones off Mm -hmm. like that's why she had two knee surgeries and so i think those are those moments where you're like oh man i like my parents are dope Mm -hmm. you know and you need you need to be able to reflect and and also like i think with this show like i want to also normalize the african experience Mm -hmm. because when you think about africa it's so like it's like mystified it's like we're either like coming to america or like I said, like Hotel Rwanda. Right. And there's, like, no, there's no, there's no complexity. There's no yeah. in between. Like, oh my guys, we're entrepreneurs. I'm Ebo. They call us the Jews of the West because we're like we're, we're we are entrepreneurs. We're traders. Mm-hmm. We haggle. We are frugal. We are um, we travel and learn new languages. Like, so we encompass so many things. But like, if you only see us, like. Sally Struthers commercials like you're still thinking that you can still sponsor us for 60 cents a day yeah and it's also this like high low where like you're above and it's like no 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 no. you're not above we're all equals here you don't know the full story I know Nigerians in Nigeria who have zero desire to come to America yeah because they like they have Bentleys there too guys they have private jets there who are like why would I go to America yeah and experience racism I was like, look around. Everyone here is black, yeah. like me, and we're all <laughs> and successful. So again, why am I going to? Yeah. Why am I going to America? Where like people will like confuse me for a cab driver when I have two degrees? Yeah, in, you know <laughs> what I mean, like and a doctorate. Yeah. And so first gen, you're going to like shed light on the African experience, and then with Insecure, which mm-hmm. I think has been great, and I think one of the reasons it's resonated with so many people, no matter their backgrounds, is that it's depicting you know the complexities of Black people, but most importantly. Black women, because I think a lot of times when people talk about narratives, they just only kind of focus on like 
showing the layers of black men. And it's like, but black women are here, too. Mm. And we stand beside black men. And we also have been the forefront of a lot of things as well. And so do you think we're now in a time where people are really starting to truly accept the complexities of the black experience? I think... We're at a time where they have no other choice but mm-hmm. to accept the complexities of the black experience. And that's, I mean, that's also like even part of, you know, wanting to do the show that I'm trying to create because it's like all black experiences are not created equal. Like, yes, blackish exists, mm-hmm. but like, low key, I watch blackish and I learn about black people every day. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that that happened in black households. Yeah. What is Juneteenth? Yeah. Um, and because that's not a thing that like, I grew up as important in my household or, like, Mm -hmm. a thing that we knew to celebrate. And so I think you're absolutely right. Like, with a show like Insecure, it's like these two black girls, like, reading the script for for Insecure, I was like, I don't have friends like this. But it's like, it's still a friendship. Like, it's like, it just looks differently. But it's like, they still love me the same. And Molly still loves Issa and Issa still loves Molly the same. But it's just like a different experience but I was like I'm learning a different kind of black experience by being on this show so you can't think like especially if you're non-black or not person of color that you're like oh yeah we've seen that we get it yeah we, I'm like you can't get it because we don't even get it all yeah you know what I mean it's like we're so intricate and we can we're flu- we're water yeah. we're an ocean we just like we get in where we fit in and we can encompass so many different spaces so the minute you think you have us pegged like the levees have yeah. just like like burst and now you have to figure out us all over again because you can't contain us. Yeah. We change every day. Have you seen Black Twitter? It's yeah. never the same. <laughs> well, Evolved. I just, well, just congratulations on everything you accomplished so far Thank and you. the sky is the limit for you and I can't wait to you see. You too. Before we get out of here, what's something that you want to happen into your, in your life that hasn't happened yet? I want you to speak into existence now. I want... First Gen to be sold to a major network, yes. straight to series. Yes. Um, executive produced by me, co-written by me, and we get 100 episodes. We become one of the um, most viable sitcoms sold in major markets, China included. Ooh, I love that you're thinking international. That's very, very Absolutely. smart of you. Very, very yeah. smart of you. Because it's 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 a universal story. Yes. China, Asia, Africa, they're all yeah. going to want it. Yeah, license it out. Yeah. yeah. So that is I what I, that. I, I believe that. But we're going straight to series. We're not doing like a pilot. Like, let's think about it straight to series, guys. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, you guys heard it first. So all you network heads who are listening to this, don't waste her time sending her trash pilot offers because she's going to fucking delete that email. So come back with a two season order, 13 episodes each Turn up. with a quality craft services. OK, it's going to be like Nigerian being catered every Friday. It's like, I hope you like goat meat. Uh, there's, there's like an exec right now, like the balls on that girl. And I'm like, yeah, we're African. Yeah. <laughs> Immigrants, we get the job done. Yes. Well, thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Ma. You've been nothing but a delight. I appreciate you. You're amazing. Uh, bye. 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 Ooh, oh my gosh, what an incredible interview. I mean, where the hell is my EGOT for this? Uh, I think you have to earn earn one. Oh. I think you have to either have a Tony, an Oscar, a Grammy, or 
an Emmy. Well, Did I okay. say Emmy? Well, I don't have any of those. Right. Oh, let's, I see. Let's just wrap this up. I see. I see. You can, okay, you know what? I'm working on my EGOTs. All right, guys. Just start with an E or a G. Where's my O? <laughs> okay, y'all. You know what time it is. It's time for a little nugget of joy, that little extra something to put a little pep in your step. It's your favorite segment and mine. Small acts of resistance. Resist the system. Resist the man. Resist the dominant discourse imposed upon us by the establishment. So this is really a small, small act of resistance, but I do feel like it flings energy out into the universe that will add up to something. But every time I pass Trump Tower, I give it the damn finger. I give it the goddamn finger. Sometimes I give it two. Sometimes I give it a suck it. You know, a suck it gesture. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes people around me honestly feel safe. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I also feel this, like, nightmare looming. Yeah. It's really quick. It takes, what, 10 seconds to do it. You stop. Yeah. Middle finger. And then you, you go get a latte. Then you go call your freaking senator, your representative. Oh, yeah. Also do that. That, too. I mean, you get a latte and then you have the latte to call. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your small act of resistance for the week guys that's it done the so many white guys team includes me phoebe robinson rachel neal joanna solitaroff jim poyant paula schumann jeremy bloom isaac jones matt boynton and joe ford our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes Check out photos of me and Yvonne from our interview on the WNYC Studios Facebook. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DopeQueenFeebs. Bye, Q-bye. You know what? I'm going to text you a photo of Bean right now. Okay, you guys, I need to understand this Bean Hysteria. It is bean mania. It's bean mania. Okay, here we go. I'm sending you a Fox Sports link. Oh my. The fact that this is reported on Fox Sports is truly <laughs> nuts. Sorry, there's an ad playing on Fox Sports. I'm so sorry. I thought it was a photo. 20 seconds of Boost Mobile's bullshit <laughs> to get to Bean. It's going to be worth it. Oh my God, Bean is so cute. I told you. <laughs> Holy fuck.